great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello and welcome to Film Pulse Weekly, episode number six. My name is Adam. With me is Kevin. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be doing a monthly segment we call Best and Worst, where we each pick a movie we would give 10 out of 10, and one that we would give 1 out of 10. Pretty simple. Very uh, simple. Neither of us know what the other picks, so it should be pretty fun to see what we pick. Uh, if you would like to have us talk about a movie... Send us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net and tell us why you picked it as the best or worst. And if it's good enough, we'll feature it on an upcoming episode. Uh, we also have Ryan back with us for another installment of <laughs> Ryan Watches a Movie. Mm, we sure do. This week we made him watch The Adventures of Pluto Nash, starring Eddie Murphy. <laughs> mm, uh, I can't wait to see what he thinks. And... Uh, as always, at first, we're going to be talking about movies we watched this week. Uh, before we kick that off, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to a new service that's out there called Tug. This is T-U-G-G dot com. And basically what this service does is it allows you to demand movies uh, in your city. So, for instance... Um, if there's a movie that's coming out that is only being released in select cities, uh, you can use this site similar to Groupon to try to generate buzz and get them to bring it to your city. Uh, this is a pretty cool concept. I hope it works. That's the only thing. It's It just launched um, recently, so I don't know if it's going to work or not. I really hope it does, though. Yeah. Because I think it'll be a really good way to get... Uh, you know, smaller movies to come to your town. Yeah, it's it's a really good idea, but it's yeah. just it mostly depends on if people know about it and actually use it. Yeah, and I guess the way that it works is um, so you pick a movie that you want to come out. Uh, they have a list on the site, and you create you apply to, to promote the event in your area. And then as you promote it, you get other people to commit to going to see the movie. So essentially you're uh, selling tickets to the movie in advance. And once enough tickets get sold, they actually bring the movie to your local theater. And I think that's a really cool idea. I really hope it works. Yes, it would be really nice, especially for places like where you and I live. Yeah, um, this is something that's right up our alley. We're oh, absolutely! Getting, trying to get some movies to our area that otherwise we never get. Yeah, I, I think that their biggest hurdle is just like you said, going to be raising awareness of the service. And <clears throat> I think, like where I live in Tallahassee, Florida, I think that they're it, that's kind of a good service for where I live because. You know, we have uh, FSU and we have a huge film school here. So I think that there would be a good crowd for a lot of these movies. Yeah. And where I live, I don't know if it's going to work as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could get some people, you know, to bring a movie here. But I don't know if you could get enough people. Yeah, to, I, I mean, you know. I don't think you would need, like, 
I think it's like maybe 50 people or something that you would need to get it to come. Because I think it's, uh, I think the way that it works is it's kind of like a, a one night only type thing. Mm. Could be, I could be wrong about that, but. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. What is the first movie you want to talk about? Oh, first movie I want to talk about, I guess would be, uh, do you want to talk about Boy? Did we talk about Boy? No, we haven't talked about Boy yet. Yes, we should talk about Boy. Absolutely. Um, I uh, loved this movie. This is uh, just a fantastic film. I think I I, I reviewed it on the site. Did I, I review it? Mm-hmm. I think you gave it a 9. Yeah. 9 out of 10. I think that was probably one of the highest reviews on our site so far. I think I gave The Artist a 9, but... Yeah, I think... I th- we have three nines, I think, because I gave a separation of nine. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, I think we have three so far. Uh, Boy is just such an amazing movie. I can't wait for you to try and pronounce the names. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't have the names in front of me. Uh, so, I'm going to have to try and do this. <laughs> yeah, I kind of dropped Damn. the ball with that. Damn so. it. Uh, Taika? Taika Watiti, I think is the director's name. He is of, and stay with me here, he's from New Zealand, but he is also of T. Wanau Apanu descent. I I don't know what that is. Uh, I wonder if that's similar to like Aboriginal like descent. Yeah, I think it, it. I think it's you know the. I, uh, I don't know how I want to say it without coming off. Like, an like idiot. maybe yeah, like the Abor- <laughs> the Aborigines of New Zealand, but not Aborigines. New, like native New Zealand. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, now now I know what they are. It's uh, Maori. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically, this is kind of a sort of a coming of age story um, about a, a a boy that is named Boy. That's his nickname. But he uh, lives in this very very small village in New Zealand, um, and his father, whom he idolizes, basically comes home from jail, and. Although they start to rekindle their relationship, there's uh, the father kind of has some ulterior motives uh, with coming home. It's a very funny movie. It is a comedy. <laughs> it's hilarious, but absolutely hilarious. It does have some very serious themes in it. It's it's not a family film. No. Um. It. This is the same director as. Eagle versus Shark, which was another fantastic New Zealand comedy. Yes, and he directed a lot of Flight of the Concords episodes. You know, he's friends with Jermaine and Britt. Mm-hmm. Jermaine and he, was actually in Eagle versus Shark. Right, and he is also he also plays the father in the movie. Yes, and he does a fantastic job. Yes, he's very <clears throat> multi-talented. But uh, the Flight of the Concords are not in Boy. No, but... He, Neither one of them. No. But, you don't miss them, though. I mean, like... No, you don't. It's 
it's the type of movie where I think if they if they were in it, I think it might actually detract from yes. from the film a little bit. Uh, I don't mean that in like a really negative way. I mean, I love Flight of the Concords and I love those guys, but the, one of the things that appealed to me with this movie is that it felt very realistic in mm-hmm. that I didn't really I didn't know any of the actors in it, so there was a bit of realism to it. Yeah, plus I think it, I don't know, you know, their sort of their star power might have been a little bit of a distraction. Right. Right. You know. <clears throat> but this movie did win or it was nominated, sorry, for Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. Yeah, and this, it actually came out in 2010 in New Zealand, but it was just released um, over here in the States uh, this month. Yes. You definitely need to see it. <clears throat> I didn't know that the director, actually, he was in Green Lantern. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, he was in Green Lantern. He was Tom Kalmaku, whoever that was. I don't know. I guess I probably one of the Green Lanterns, because like they have the whole like Green Lantern core. He's probably one yeah. of them or something. I don't. Yeah. I, I saw it, but I don't remember him being in it, because it was. I never saw him before before this movie. So yeah, yeah. and apparently he's directing the pilot for the Inbetweeners. Oh yeah, they're... the the uh, well, is that a New Zealand one or the American one? I don't know because they're they're redoing the Inbetweeners. The Inbetweeners was originally a, a UK show, but their MTV is doing mm. their own well, spinoff. Yeah. I think it is the US one. I don't know. I mean, that might uh, that might actually work out. When I first heard about it, I was like, oh no! Like, uh, I'm a big fan of um, Skins which is a show from the UK that they attempted to bring over here to the US and it was horrible. Even though like they used the same storylines and a lot of the same like dialogue even it was still really it wasn't nearly as good for whatever well, reason. Yeah. Well, that was the same when The Office first started. That's yeah, that's I, true. I I hated the way that they did that that they essentially just lifted like all the dialogue and the jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it should just sort of be based that you shouldn't recreate it. Yeah, fortunately was, they were able to get past that with the office and. Yeah, they sort of grew out of it and became their own show. Thank God. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, boy is a very, it's a very different kind of movie. It's what I would also call charming. Um, He's obsessed with Michael Jackson, the yeah, little boy. He... <laughs> is obsessed with Michael Jackson. It's his favorite uh, subject at school. Yeah, his favorite subject <laughs> in school is Michael Jackson. Um, th- there's a lot of, they do a lot of cool like cutaways and stuff where he's kind of imagining his father as being this like <laughs> almost superhero where he's, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. And, and um, it's really, it's really kind of cool because it's, it is about him this kid and he's like 12 and it's about his life and it's about his his younger brother too but we get to see like kind of what goes on in their imagination a lot which brings the movie to this really unique uh and creative kind of style like this the story itself is something that you know we've kind of seen before but the way that they 
put it together and like the camera work and the cinematography and, and just the ridiculous dialogue. And it, it's just, yeah. it, it goes together really good. And it takes place in the eighties too. So there are, I, I know I said in the review, there are eighties references like his father's always referencing ET and talking about mm-hmm. ET. He's but, seen it 11 times. But the thing is with, one of the things that we've seen with these like 80s revival type movies is uh, basically it's like nonstop 80s references and those are actually like part of the joke. Like those are actually, they use 80s references as like a punchline, I guess. But yeah. this doesn't do it. Um, it's really understated in this movie and it, and it works out really nicely. I love the 80s and I like 80s movies a lot. But, like, uh, Take Me Home Tonight is a great example of the movie itself wasn't funny and all the jokes were just like, oh, it's the 80s and I have a big cell phone and, like, all this stuff. Yeah. And I I find that to be, like, a cop-out. Yes, very much so. And the the nice thing is they do a little bit of animation because Mm -hmm. uh, Boy's little brother, Rocky thinks that he has superpowers mm-hmm. because boy I, you know uh, a sad thing is is that when Rocky was born his mom died during childbirth and the reason was boy told him because he, he was too powerful mm-hmm. so he of course now he thinks that he has super fa- superpowers so they sort of animate what he's doing like he thinks that he can run a school bus off the side of the road <laughs> Yeah. And all this, all these things, and it's just, it's great. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. At the very least, um, check out the review on our site and watch the trailer. If you watch, the, it's a really good trailer, and you'll be hooked. You'll want to see it after that. Yes. Moving on, really quickly, I saw Act of Valor. <laughs> uh, okay, Why so, <laughs> so the reason that I saw Act of Valor. Uh, I wasn't planning on reviewing it for the site. Um, with new movies, I like to get the reviews up uh, the weekend they release. And I, but I, my cousin saw Act of Valor, and he was like, you know, my my cousin's a Marine, and he's like, it was very realistic in the tactics that they did, and the action was cool, but you have to go into it thinking that just knowing that the acting is really bad. So I was I like, okay, that. you know, I'll, I'll give go it a in, shot. Go into the movie knowing that it's no good. Yeah. You'll like it. So I went to see it, and it was almost unwatchable for me. I hated it so much. I I wanted to walk out. I, it was now. See, I'm not one. I'm not a stickler for good acting. I, I don't mind seeing movies that, that don't have particularly good acting in them. But with this movie, it was so horrendous. And it wasn't just the acting. It was just it was the dialogue. It was the writing. It was so horrendous that it just completely pulled me out of it. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's like a haywire type situation where I can let it slide. Because these are active duty seals and you know i'm not going to see it for the acting i'm just going to see some cool action and i will say that the action was good it was the the action was cool and i did enjoy all the action scenes it was like uh 
a Call of Duty movie or something. Um, but the thing about that is the acting, the voice acting in the Call of Duty games is a hundred times better than <laughs> in this movie. Mm. The plot was very thin as well, and that didn't help it. But even even the actors in the movie that were actual actors did a pretty piss poor job. It was definitely not recommending active valor. Oh, I had high hopes. Stick to Navy SEALs. Yeah, stick to Navy SEALs. It's probably better, unfortunately. <laughs> What's next? Uh, Headhunters. Ooh, Headhunters, yeah. This is... We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, they're planning on bringing this over to the States. They're going to be remaking it at some point. Um, this is originally a film from Norway, I believe. Yes. And uh, basically it's about a uh, an art thief um, who is a headhunter for a, um, is it a, like a financial firm? Yeah. It's like a corporate headhunter. Yeah. So like his day job is kind of um, finding new blood to bring into these uh large corporations and stuff and i think that he kind of he's kind of like a little bit of a poacher too where he kind of picks people and and brings them onto the this big um company but he kind of moonlights as this uh master art thief and that's kind of how he picks his targets too he when he's interviewing people for his work he's kind of uh sizing them up to see if they have any good art pieces and yeah he uses that plus then he'll go in and ask questions about you know do you have a wife girlfriend mm -hmm. a dog all those things you know when are you home all he's sort of casing he's casing the place without even being there just doing interviews with these people yeah this this was a really really cool movie i like this movie a whole lot um i would say that it's sort of it's sort of an action movie, maybe more of a thriller. Yeah. Some really crazy stuff happens towards the end. There's some really cool twists and stuff like this guy's really smart and he gets himself into this really bad situation and how he gets out of it is really really cool. Yes. Um he he has a partner that is in the that works in surveillance. So his partner uh, at this surveillance company basically helps him like turn off security cameras at certain times and so he can get in and, and do that type of thing. Yeah, and then he also he takes whatever he steals and he'll take it to, I think they go, he goes to Sweden. I, mean, I think, Swe or no, might be Oslo. Uh, yeah, I think it might be Where Oslo. He, yeah, he he's the guy that takes it in and sells it and then he comes back with the money, of course, and they split it. Mm -hmm. And it's based on the Joe Nesbo novel, which he's sort of picking up here. I mean, he's been around for a while. He's written a good number of books, but there's also news that uh, Scorsese's going to be adapting a Joe Nesbo novel, The Snowman. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be coming up in a little bit. So it seems like, you know, people are starting to adapt Joe Nesbo's novels. I guess that's going to be the new thing. Take over for Stieg Larsson. <laughs> yeah um i guess it did it, it did kind of have the 
a little bit of a girl with a dragon tattoo type mm-hmm. vibe to it. It, it yeah, definitely I, did have that vibe. I remember, it might have been last year, something. I remember, actually, they had a story on NPR about Norwegian crime novelists. I guess that's like their big thing in Norway. And they were, I guess, Scandinavia as a whole. They're really into their crime novels with Stieg Larsson, you know, and Joe Nesbo. And I think there's even a couple more. Yeah. Um, I, I just saw a, a film called Snabacash, and that uh, that's Swedish, but that had kind of the same kind of vibe to it as well. Mm. Um, and that was that was quite good. I imagine we'll be talking about that later because they're going to be bringing that to the states as well. Of course they are. And uh, it was starring Joel Kinnaman, who is not a household name yet. But he's in the killing on AMC, mm. and he's gonna be the new RoboCop. Oh, yeah, I actually that's like him a, a lot. Yeah, he's, that's he's cool. right. <clears throat> that's right. It's called the it's called Snab a Cash in Sweden, but in the U.S. it's gonna be called Easy Money. Mm. And they made uh, two of them. Okay. So, well, the guy that plays uh, Class Grieve in Headhunters, he's the guy from Game of Thrones. Yes, plays yeah. Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie Lannister, and he's like he's just as villainous in Headhunters as he is in Game of Thrones. He's yeah. a complete bastard. You hate him. <laughs> Correct. Uh, let's move on. I saw a documentary this week called Being Elmo. Uh, this came out last year. And it's uh, basically about the the puppeteer who controls and voices Elmo from Sesame Street. Uh, now, I know we did our documentary show a few weeks back. I wish that I saw this movie when we were talking about that because this takes my number one spot. Um, best documentary of 2011. I'm really surprised that it didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I really thought it was way deserving it was so it was just so good it was um i mean it's sort of a a family film i mean anybody can watch it but it's such a touching and just heartwarming film it just makes you feel good makes you feel good about life the, the whole way through i mean from the very beginning and this guy is just such a cool guy highly recommend that one hmm I have a feeling that uh, the Academy, when it comes to documentaries, they only pick sort of, what do you say, I guess, like like serious, serious things. Like, they usually don't go for the whole, you know, it's a movie about the guy that voices Elmo. Yeah, and that's a shame because it was a really, really interesting documentary. They talked a lot about Jim Henson and how they create the puppets and everything like that. And I was really into the Muppets when I was young. And I think everybody loved Sesame Street when they were little. And it was just really interesting to see kind of the inner workings of of how all that works. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met a kid that wasn't into Sesame Street. I don't want to think of it. I don't want to meet a kid that wasn't into (laughs) Sesame Street. Yeah. It's I you've never hear that. Like, oh, I put Sesame Street on for him and he can't stand it. Never happens. If I put Sesame Street on and my kid 
didn't want anything to do with it, I would immediately have to take him to a psychologist. Because I would think that he's a psychopath. <laughs> I'd be like, my kid, there's something wrong. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Any other movies you want to talk about? Mm, not really. Well, real quick, what did you think? Because we both saw the catechism. Or, yeah, catechism, cataclysm. I thought it was okay. What did you What did you think of the end? I, I thought, well, I thought it was funny. Um, it had a kind of very dark tone to it. <laughs> the The main guy, I, I don't know his name. It's the guy from Eastbound and Down. Yeah, Steve Little. Steve Little is his name. Did he Did he have something to do with? Did he like direct that or something as well? No, he was just in it. But I think it was. I think it was one of those movies that was. Uh, I think it was produced by, or it was his production company, and then Rough House Pictures also produced it, which is um, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green. Oh yeah, and I and I think Jody Jody Hills in that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's um. That one is uh, that's streaming on Netflix, right? I don't I think... think it's streaming. Oh, it's not streaming. It, it, it might be. I don't know. I thought that it was. I know. I know it's on demand. That's where I saw it. But it was a. It was okay. I mean, I I can I can only really take that guy in small doses because he's so dopey. Mm-hmm. And I know that. I mean, that's his kind of. Sh- that's his shtick, and he's really funny and he's bounding down. But I think that that's just because. He's just playing off of Danny McBride. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was directed by the guy that did uh, the Guatemalan Handshake. I know which, which is, was, I thought you did see that movie. No, I don't think I saw that. Mm. Well, that starred uh, Bonnie Prince Billy. And it was shot around uh, Peach Bottom. Oh, here in okay. Pennsylvania. That was his first movie. And I guess he's, his newest movie has a bunch of people in it. I think it's Patton Oswald. Um, it's called Nature Calls. You know what? I just uh, read a review for that on IndieWire. Yeah. It, uh, it played at South by, and they uh, they posted a review <laughs> up for it. I think it I think it premiered there this weekend. Um, yeah, it's got Patton Oswald, Rob Riggle, Johnny Knoxville, and Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. Which I think I think it's his last movie. I don't know if he was working on anything else uh, when yeah, he passed think, away. Yeah, I think it might be his last. But um, the review didn't wasn't a very glowing one on IndieWire. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. But I mean, I'll still check it out. I like all those all those people. So yes, same here. Uh, that does it. Let's move on to Ryan watches a movie. This is Ryan Watches a Movie, where we get our friend Ryan to watch a movie and report back to us on if it was good or not. Oh no, crawl little <laughs> kids got naked sick. <laughs> Welcome back, Ryan. What movie did we have you watch this week? The Adventures of Pluto Nash. The Adventures of Pluto Nash. This uh, is the 2002 film starring Eddie Murphy. We picked that uh, this week in honor of A Thousand Words with Eddie Murphy. Uh, This got a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. The IMDb synopsis says, In the future, a man struggles to keep control 
of his nightclub of his nightclub from Mafia Control in Space. <laughs> the IMDb synopsis for movies are so horrible. Yes. Like they're not even written correctly. No, they're not. But uh <laughs> then again, this that's just a recipe for yeah, this, awfulness. This, this movie doesn't really deserve good plots, no. Uh, it stars Eddie Murphy, Rosario Dawson, Jay Moore, Joe Pantoliano, Randy Quaid, Luis Guzman, Pam Greer, John Cleese, and Peter Doyle. So it's got a pretty impressive cast, I would say. Um, Peter Boyle. Let's, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. Uh, okay. Correct. Let's let's go ahead and listen to the trailer for The Adventures of Pluto Nash. 239,000 miles from Earth, in the blackness of space, there is a giant rock called the moon. And in the year 2087, its future will be in the hands of one man. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is Pluto Nash. Pluto. Pluto Nash. It is a pleasure to meet me. The battle between pretty evil. Let's get it right this time. Let's get it right this time. And pretty good. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at me. Begins. Well, uh, we were thinking a little more uh, bubblage. Hey. Oh yeah. Eddie Murphy. A pleasure to meet you, Pluto. But, but, but why is the moon in his hands when he's just a nightclub owner? The moon should never be in Eddie Murphy's hands. <laughs> because it will be destroyed. I guarantee you. Ryan, why don't you tell us about Pluto Nash? Uh, where to start? Um, well, basically Eddie Murphy... Buys Jay Moore's car, or doesn't buy it, he takes it over. Because Jay Moore owes the mafia a bunch of money. And Eddie Murphy takes over the club and turns it into a, like a decent place. And he then gets tries to get bought out by the mafia. And he. He says no. They offer him money, and he says no. And a little chase ensues. And towards the end of the movie, you find out that Eddie Murphy, he, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, you disappeared. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> trying to quell my laughter. Towards the end of the movie, you find out that Eddie Murphy has actually been cloned, and his clone is the one that's trying to kill him because his clone's intertwined in the mafia now. Here's my first question How do you not know you have a clone? Like, did they take a sample of his DNA at birth or something? Apparently. And this wasn't shown in the movie. It was it was like a one line thing, but uh, apparently he was Eddie Murphy was in jail, and 
They had to remove his appendix. And when mm. they removed it, then they cloned him. Okay. Follow-up question. Why would you clone a criminal? Why? Yeah. Why, why, <laughs> why would you clone Eddie Murphy? I do. Apparently because he got charisma. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> You hear the word a lot in this movie, the word charisma. <laughs> but in the future, no one has... It. Charisma is a superpower in the future. Exactly. Yes. Moon rules. Moon rules. <laughs> charisma is... According, according to moon law, <laughs> charisma. only one man may have charisma. But seriously, why would you be cloning criminals? Yeah, and like, did they clone all criminals or just Eddie Murphy? Gotta hope and not. Why, and and like, why would they? Why would they clone him in the first place? I wish I had an answer for all those, but I do not. Okay, who who cloned him? Was it like the government or was it the mafia? It was when the line was said. It was said by one of the mafia guys. He said, "Remember when?" You were in jail, and you had to have your appendix removed. That's how we cloned you. And that wow. Mm-hmm. Talk about a twist. This sounds like a sci-fi epic. Oh, man. Oh, epic, all right. Epic bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the budget. This is Please something... Do. That... Please <laughs> Uh... This had a $100 million budget. Why? Why? Okay, now, Uh this was made in 2002. So, when you look at $100 million, I mean, big budget movies nowadays are made for $100 million. So, back then, that must have been a fortune. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and guess that a main portion of that budget was for the fact that all these stars are mm-hmm. yeah that could, that could be plus I mean, probably not. the special effects but I guess yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was coming right off of I mean Shrek was made in 2001 and Nutty Professor 2 was in 2000 and Dr. Doolittle 2 was in 2001 so I guess they were trying to capitalize sweet. on this whole Eddie Murphy Research. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's They're when he was doing. They're always trying to make money off that Murphy. That never. That's every day in history. Yeah, and they um, always lose. It's really. Yeah, they do. I mean, and they lost. I, I don't know. They lost big. The movie only grossed four million dollars, which, uh, yeah. That's pretty bad. How did um, how did it gross four million? That's surprising enough to me. You know it's funny. Uh, opening the midnight showing of John Carter, just the midnight showing, uh, Thursday night grossed fifty million. <laughs> so, <laughs> one one showing of John Carter in every theater grossed way more than Pluto Nash grossed in its entire run. Wow. Now, granted, I mean, once again, we are <clears throat> in 2012. Yeah, inflation, everything. And John Carter um, was in IMAX 3D, so the tickets are more expensive. Oh, but God, could you imagine the adventures of Pluto Nash in IMAX 3D? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be amazing. 
Um, I, I feel like, you know, looking at the cast, Eddie Murphy at the time was obviously the biggest name. I think that Rosario Dawson was not as big as she like later became when this movie came out. I don't think, nah. I don't think she was like a household name when this, uh, when yeah, this came out. Really. I don't think she really still is. Uh, not anymore. She hasn't really been in anything too recently. Nah. I think she kind of hit her peak and now I think she was nah. in some like lower budget, uh, like straight to DVD stuff recently. Nah. Uh, I have one more guest actor that makes a surprise appearance. That... Please tell me it's Shaq. No, it's Shh, oh. close. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is oh. in this movie. Oh, yes. That's sad. He's yeah, not that's sad. That's sad. He doesn't play like a very important role. He just makes a like three-minute cameo. Yeah, but he he fought through it. You gotta give him that. He's still around. <laughs> well, most, yeah, I mean, most of these people aren't. Yeah. Well, Peter true. Boyle has trouble being around because I'm he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, that's true. I'm also I'm also embarrassed to see that John Cleese is in this movie. Well, when you look at his career, I mean, yeah, he by this point John Cleese was kind of done, you know, like his all his big stuff was decades before this. Yeah, but he still I would think he still made good decisions into not being things. But I guess well, you know you need the money. Yeah, he's probably looking for a paycheck and. It, with a hundred million dollar budget, I'm sure that it paid pretty decently. Yeah. And I mean, Louise Guzman's probably. Louis, by, Louis Guzman will be in anything. He's great. Yeah, but he's, he'll do it. He's more famous now than back then, for sure. Mm-hmm. That like I didn't. I remember back then he was back then he was like one of those guys, like uh, was, like Richard Jenkins yeah. used to be, where it's like. That, Man, who is that guy? That I don't know guy. his name, but he's in everything. That, that guy. guy. Who is that guy? You know, the chubby yeah. the chubby Latino. Luis, Luis Guzman, he's not like a main character. But I will be honest and say that he made me laugh more than any other part of this movie. He's, he's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah he is. Um... Let's talk about the director. Uh, this was directed by yes. Ron Underwood. Uh, the, Ron no, Underwood. No, no, no. The great Ron Underwood. The great Ron Underwood. There you go. This, he, he doesn't have a household name, but you probably know him from City Slickers, mm-hmm. Mighty Joe Young. Oh, yeah. Tremors. Which, which I didn't like, but Tremors, that's... That's Tremor. the big. I liked City Slickers a lot, though. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, Tremors and City Slickers are they're ninety yeah. classics. I love Tremors. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's oh, yeah. like one of my. It's so much fun. But uh, he did. I mean, he did a bunch of other movies too. Those were just, I would say, three of his most famous ones. But um, he only did two other movies after. Pluto Nash, and they were Stealing Sinatra and In the Mix, which I haven't seen either of those. I don't know anything about them, so I really can't say too much about it. But after that, um, he just went on to direct TV shows 
episodes of TV shows. And, oh, some great ones. Let's go through it real quick. Ugly Betty, Reaper, uh, Drop Dead Diva, Heroes, Castle, Happy Town, No Ordinary Family, Hellcats, Necessary Roughness, <laughs> no, Harry's no. Why the f*** <laughs> would you make a TV show based on that? The show the show's called Necessary Roughness. Yes. Oh, and it's about oh, okay. it's about a, a woman who is uh she's like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist or something and psychotherapist. she psychotherapist. a psychotherapist and she um ends up uh being the psychotherapist for this football team. Mm-hmm. So you wish that it was. A it's a U. It's you know, it's one of those USA mm-hmm. shows. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like Royal Pains or one of those really like just formulaic. Awful. You know, just awful. Sale. Yeah, that that one's pretty bad. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm reading. I'm reading two interesting things here on Wikipedia. Number one, Jennifer Lopez was originally cast. Instead of Rosario Dawson. Now, see, Jennifer Lopez was probably that was when she was like really, yeah, really blowing up. Because I think that's probably right around when um, what's it called? Out of Sight came out, right? That's probably right around that time. Plus, she uh, wasn't she like real huge in music at that time? Uh, yeah, probably. Her career still tanked, so yeah. Yeah, and and also, um, this film is seventy nine on the one hundred worst movies of the two thousand decade on Rotten Tomato. It does wow. it does have a six percent run? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this made it to the list of worst movies ever made. Yeah, I really would. I would this so. actually, this was more, more enjoyable. I, I don't want to use the word enjoyable, <laughs> but it was more tolerable <laughs> for me than that piece of shit I had to watch last week. Oh, Adventures of Power! Come on! <laughs> wow, what a slap in the face of Ira Gold. Yeah, that's terrible. Poor guy. Uh, um. Another interesting random fact about this movie. You know, you know the two twins that are in um, the movie Slackers? Like when they're at that party? Yes. Those two two twins are in this movie. Oh, really? They're uh, Jim Moore's wives. Oh, yeah, I did see that in the trailer. I do. Yeah, I remember that. Um... Let's briefly talk about the writer, Neil Cuthbert. Uh, he did Mystery Men, Hocus Pocus, The Return of Swamp Thing. Uh, this was his last movie. Oh, no wonder this movie was so f***ing terrible. This was his last movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah that, that, was, that was it for Neil Cuthbert. <clears throat> I think that on our blog that we should sort of petition for a Neil Cuthbert comeback. Uh oh. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna with movie I'm gonna get that going. Yeah, with movies starring, you know, Gutenberg 
and Judge Reinhold. Yeah, there we go. There we, yeah, we're going to kickstart careers right now. I want uh, Rick Moranis to come back. Oh, I would love that. Like, all in all seriousness. Yeah, though. no, ser- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you could tell by the way I said it, I was very serious yeah. when I was like, yeah, I would love to have Rick Moranis back. I remember when I was younger, I, um, I actually liked Hocus Pocus a lot when I was young. Because I, I, I think that movie came out when we were still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I was into that because that was like, I remember the special effects being really impressed with the special effects in that movie. Well. And I don't even remember really too much about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe we should, maybe you should revisit that movie. Oh, uh, yeah. See what you think I, now. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I think, I'm not revisiting the uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're not. Fortunately, we're not asking you to revisit Hocus Pocus because <laughs> we already saw that, and we're only having you watch movies we haven't yeah. seen. Oh, the Hocus Pocus blew my brains out. Because the director yeah. of Hocus Pocus wanted on to direct uh, High School Musical, High School Musical Two, High School Musical Three, Senior Year, <laughs> Cheetah Girls oh. Two, <laughs> Gilmore, wow. Gilmore Girls, Michael Jackson Memorial. Oh. Yeah, you know what that was? Because Hocus Pocus was a Disney movie. It sure was. And they they like to keep all their uh, directors and stuff in house. Mm-hmm. And like those cheat that Cheetah Girls and High School Musical and all those, those are all Disney. That's what it is. Cages, not in house. I think it's cages. Oh, Robot Chicken also parodied this movie. Oh, did it? Yeah. I haven't seen that. No. Yeah, they kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, actually, you were correct. They sure do. That's funny. And they kill themselves three days but... after the film's release. <laughs> and the U.S. Congress declares Pluto Nash Day to memorialize the tragedy. <laughs> kill yourself. Kill yourself. <laughs> uh, this, the special effects weren't. They weren't terrible on this movie. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I did, I did see in the trailer how they did the dumb like uh, Rosario Dawson and Eddie Murphy on like bodybuilder bodies yeah. and stuff. I guess that's when, like, during that time is when they were really starting to use CG to like manipulate people and stuff. And yeah, it 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 looked ridiculous. But I mean, how were like the sets and stuff? Was it was it a it, lot of CG or? Some most of the stuff looked pretty. It didn't look out of this world, but it looked alright. Um, some of the like scenes where they zoom in, you can tell that they're models. But I mean, you can't tell for the most part when CG happens because not that often. You know That's what I'm good. saying? Like, yeah. in some movies, you can tell, because it looks terrible. Yeah. But, uh, in this movie, when Eddie Murphy and Rosario Dawson are running away from the mafia, they run, it's supposed to represent, like, zero gravity, but it looks like the whole thing is in slow motion. Well... <laughs> Okay, so they were running away, but they were on the moon. Yeah. They're so so 
they had. I mean, there, there's gravity on the moon, but it's just not. There's not as much gravity, so they. But it just looked like, to my eye, it looked like the director slowed it down. So, like their arms, like when they were running, did their arms move slower? Yeah. Because like that, that's what I always it. see, like, because if, if your arms are moving slower, that that wouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like, if you were running on the moon, your arms would still move just as fast. Correct. They, I mean, they, like, sort of, like, skip along, but you can tell that there's some not right, because it mm. looks like slow. Oh, there's a, there's a lot that's not right. <laughs> there's tons. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, okay, so were they wearing spacesuits at least? They had, yes, at one okay. point, yes. I mean, how, like, how's the science? Like, was it like accurate as far as you know, the fact that I'm there is? Pretty sure it was, but at one point they said the temperature of the moon is two hundred degrees below zero, and it makes me wonder, like, most of this took place in a globe sort mm-hmm. of setting. But Moon when base. they're when they're outside, like how, I don't understand how that they didn't seem like there was that big of a temperature drop and they were able to function correctly. I mean they had spacesuits on, but um, uh, I guess I just don't understand the science. I don't think uh they were considering the science too much when they were making that movie no okay let's uh go ahead and what's this what's the score for it out of 10 i'm gonna go ahead and say two (laughs) two it was better than the movie last week but it still wasn't good i know I'm still trying to figure out your whole grading system because what the uh, last movie was like a negative five thousand, and then it and then just, that, that translated to like a uh, one, and I'm the movie just, before that was like a negative five hundred, and that translated to like a five, I think. I don't. Yeah. I, mean, I just try like uh, that movie last week. I couldn't. I could barely watch it because it was so. F- Incarnate. But this movie, I mean, I understood what's happening in this movie. Whether it was dumb or not, the actual movie, whether it was dumb or not, I understood what was going on. Well, we're going to be compiling a list of all your scores, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure that you have a current list so you can kind of base your score off of what you've already rated. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I'm looking for a 5 or a 6. Because I haven't had anything above a 5. No, didn't... What did you rate? Um, I thought... What did you rate a Serbian film? I thought that you got give a, that a six? 6. Yeah, I thought that got a 6. Yeah? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, you I don't think you gave that a 6. You don't even... You don't know. That... <laughs> you, no you just throw numbers that, out there. That ah, movie, 4 and a half. That movie was also... Not that good, but I understood it, and I felt like part of my score for that movie might have come from the fact that I don't like uh, translate reading translation. 
Like I feel the need to pay attention <laughs> to the movie and not yeah. the words. Mm. Yes. Well. Subtitles. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment on that. <laughs> Subtitles. You can also give half half scores too. Subtitles. Like our our rating scale for the site is out of ten, but we can do halves too. Just so you know. Right. Are you okay with that? So. Um, I get that. Okay. I get some like Okay. So you you would still give Pluto Nash a two? Possibly, yeah. I would Supposed. say one one and a half, one and a half, between one and a half and two. Pick <laughs> <laughs> a number. One point seven five. Where what? <laughs> We're not dealing with like fractions here. Oh, let's just God. Pick, let's just stick with two. We'll stick with two, right? Because that's one. Okay. Well, thank you once again for watching that for us. We greatly appreciate it. No problem. Make sure to check back uh, next week. We'll have another great movie for you. I told you I already have that picked out too, and it is a great one. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm, it's I am very excited. It's the greatest movie oh, you've ever seen. Man. I'm excited too. You should be. All right, Ryan. Thank you very much. No problem. See you later. <laughs> thank you again, Ryan. Uh, I have one correction to make about our segment, Ryan Watches a Movie, for this week. I said that John Carter grossed $50 million on its midnight show. That was completely incorrect. I read it what? wrong. <laughs> He, it actually grossed uh, 500000 <sighs> at its midnight show. And currently, uh, this weekend, it only pulled in $39 million. So, little correction there. Uh, I'd like to take a minute to talk about Amazon. We've been plugging Amazon for a little while now. And uh, I said before that if you buy something strange enough on Amazon we will send you a prize all you got to do is buy something on Amazon just head on over to our site at filmpulse.net click on the Amazon banner buy something weird and email us and let us know that you bought that and if it's weird enough we will send you a prize it is a DVD or Blu-ray I'll tell you that Um, we got some we got some good stuff, but nothing weird, I would say. Mm-mm. We got some some movies being sold. We got some uh, computer peripherals and things, but nothing that I would call really strange. So, no samurai swords yet? No, no samurai swords <laughs> or shurikens. <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for size? that. Size? Any size? No. no. Oh, come on. I'm waiting for like... Uh, to see a, a message come through that says, like, I just bought, like, a 36-pack of bulk toilet paper <laughs> or something. That's not actually a bad idea. I might do that. No, uh, you should. actually got the idea from Ryan. Yeah, that's... You can probably get that stuff dirt cheap. I, I, I now... Yeah. I, I always, yeah, I always forget to buy just, like, home goods on Amazon. Yeah, I started uh, buying all my coffee on Amazon. Uh-huh. Oh, I have a, a yeah, I have a Keurig 
and the 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 K cups that come with it are just ridiculous and I go through them so fast because at the grocery store here they only sell packs of 12 so you can buy like bulk packs for real cheap on Amazon so I started doing that nice uh, make sure you check out our Film Pulse store on our site as well. It has some of the movies that we've been talking about during the week, and it also has some of our top favorite DVDs and Blu-rays. Uh, let's go ahead and kick off our new segment, Best and Worst. We'll start with you, Kevin. We'll do our bests first, and then we'll go over our worsts. So, okay. what is your best? 10 out of 10. Here we go. 10 out of 10? Well, I already did a... I already did one. You know, it was The Fire Within, mm-hmm. the Louis Mall uh, French movie. This, so this one is my second one. And since I just posted you know, the movies that were announced for Tribeca, mm-hmm. and one of the movies that's going to be playing there is called Headshot, which is by... Oh, this is... Oh, why do I always pick movies that have ridiculous <laughs> names? So here we go. Pen Ek... Rata na Ruang. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's even close. That sounds close enough. So, just take what I said and sort of try and put it together like it was being said by a normal person. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it either. I, no. got, I got Peter Boyle wrong <laughs> on the last segment. <laughs> True. So, yeah, uh, he's a Thai director. And by 10 out of 10 is The Last Life in the Universe, Ooh. which was also on our uh, top 10 uh, Valentine's Day, you know, like mm-hmm. romance movies. It was on there. So, yeah, this is definitely a, a 10 out of 10 for me. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely love this movie. Now, I remember when we first saw this movie back in the day, we were on this Asian film kick. Remember where we would mm-hmm. we both got uh, all region DVD players and we were getting insane amounts of yeah. Asi- Asian imports. Like every week we would buy like four or five. Yeah, we were getting all these region two <laughs> imports and we were just going to town. But yeah, I remember Last Life in the Universe being like when we saw it, I was just like, oh my god, this is so good. Yes, and the main reason that. I, we stumbled across this movie is because like we said we were going through our Asian kick and there was two people well there was a number of people that we were that we really really liked that we were big fans of and this movie had two of them number one being Taranobu Asano the big time Japanese actor that mm-hmm. I think both of us are big fans of Yeah. so I think that's what first got us to this movie and then second there's a cameo by Takeshi Mieke who plays a Yakuza in this movie and of course we were obsessed with his movies as well Mm-hmm. absolutely why don't you give us a quick plot synopsis quick plot synopsis is uh, Asano plays uh, an obsessive compulsive suicidal who he's one one day he's trying to kill himself. He's trying to jump off of a bridge. And there's these two Thai girls that are arguing or whatever. They're sisters. And the one sister gets run over by a car. And he comes over and he tries, you know, to help and everything. And the sister subsequently dies. So he decides 
to try and help her. But there's also this whole thing where you sort of find out that he's he's in hiding already from the Yakuza, but you don't know what for. And one night his brother comes over to his house with another Yakuza guy and a gunfight breaks out and both of them get killed and he has to hide the bodies and stuff. And just, it's essentially about them sort of coming together, him and the Thai woman, uh, come together and just sort of living together and helping each other get through, you know, sort of the tragedies that they both experienced. And it is, it is kind of a romance movie though. It is. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, if I remember correctly, it was, it was kind of like a comedy too. Yes. It was was some comedic parts in it. I mean, the way that he tries to kill himself sometimes are, yeah. I mean, you know, suicide's not really funny. But the fact that one day he just goes out and just tries to lay down behind the car mm-hmm. so that when she leaves, she'll run him over. And he's just <laughs> sitting there. He's just laying on the ground very quietly. And every time he tries to commit suicide, he he does in just such a like nonchalant. He's a very quiet man, a lot of the stuff that he does. And of course, it it's sort of known for it's filmed in three different languages. So it's trilingual. Mm-hmm. They speak Thai, Japanese, and in- a little even uh, English. So, and I mean, you know, there's some, because of course she's Thai, he's Japanese, so there's lost in translation when they're talking and stuff. That was a great movie. I would, I would give that a 10 out of 10. I would. Yeah, and one other thing about this movie that is, I love the cinematography in this movie. Oh, yeah. Which is done by Christopher Doyle, who a lot of times... I don't know. I don't know a lot of cinematographers, but he's one that I that I do know. He did the cinematography for Hero, uh, In the Mood for Love, uh, The Limits of Control, unfortunately Paranoid Park. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the cinematography in Paranoid Park was actually pretty good. Yeah, and he also did else. one of his first movies in the beginning which he probably got known for was uh chunking express mm-hmm. back in 94 he did the cinematographer for that yeah that was a that was a pretty big uh movie when that came out yeah amazing amazing movie and it actually has a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes so we're not far off no no not, a, not really a surprise i would say no nope. <clears throat> um anything else to add i do i just want to say that um his newest movie, which I'm really excited for, Headshot, is it's a crime drama. He's going back to that whole thing, but it's about a hitman that wakes up and sees the world upside down. So, yeah, when I read about when I first read about that, I was very, very excited about that. Yes, that sounds like and, such a cool idea. Yeah, and I'm probably maybe I'll probably do it today, but I did find a trailer for it, so I'm going to be posting that on the site so you can see. And I have to say, it looks pretty badass yeah i want to see that uh the first movie i want to talk about uh as my best is i'm gonna play a clip and then see if you can guess what it is but you will because it's obvious huh huh yeah uh one of my all-time favorite movies is 1986's Stand By Me. This is has always been one of my 
all-time favorite movies for many yes. reasons. Yes. This is um, directed by Rob Reiner. It's based on a short story by Stephen King. Uh, it stars Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, who who you probably don't even recognize because he's a because he's quite a little porker back then. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. This is one of his earlier roles. This um, he made Stand by Me uh, right before he did Lost Boys and. I, I guess Lost Boys was kind of his really breakout role. Yeah. Um, Richard Dreyfus and uh, John Cusack was also in it for a short time. If you haven't seen Stand by Me, uh, which you, you we, should, I don't, we, we don't want to know you. Yeah, I think we should just—that's what should be said. I'm yeah. Sorry, but I if mean, you haven't seen it, we don't want to know you. Just watch it. Uh, so if you haven't seen us, just unlike us on Facebook. Yes. If you liked us, <laughs> you want anything to do with you. <laughs> uh, the film takes place in 1959. Uh, it's about a group of friends who decide that they want to go find this dead body that uh, Jerry O'Connell's character overheard his older brother talking about. Uh, the story is that there was a a boy that was missing, uh, presumably dead, and they had heard that he got hit by a train and they wanted to go on this adventure to see this dead body. And there's so much to this film. It's a coming of age story, but it's also about friendship and the value of friendship. And um, also kind of about drifting apart as you get older. Um, It's, it's got, funny moments it's got sad moments it's got touching moments um it was just this perfect blend and and maybe the reason that i love it is because i'm a guy and i can relate with a lot of the the themes of the film Mm -hmm. i i had a lot of and i mean kevin we we grew up together we went to elementary school together so yes I think that we can relate a lot to the characters and you know these are these are really young actors and mm-hmm. they all did such a phenomenal job that yes. they really just brought it and River Phoenix who's probably the most you know tragic part about this movie uh this was kind of when River Phoenix was just starting out and he gave such a amazing performance in this movie and he was quickly becoming one of you know the the country's top actors he was just blowing up and sort of i guess like heath ledger he kind of prematurely died but everything about this movie was just so fantastic um had a great soundtrack there was uh this was nominated for best screenplay however it lost the i think it was the 87 oscars uh but it lost to uh room with a view Mm. that was actually the only oscar it was nominated for that was the year that it came out there was some big there were some big movies i think um i can't remember what else came out but i remember it had some pretty stiff yeah. competition it was he got nominated for a couple of golden globes though too best mm-hmm. director and yeah. best picture drama so but uh this was 
uh, Jerry O'Connell's first movie, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this was his debut. And, of course, the other tragedy is Corey Feldman. Yeah. yeah. As you said, River Phoenix. It's sad that, yeah. that he never got it together. Yeah, and, and Corey Feldman kind of fell into that unfortunate child actor, you know, yeah. statistic, basically. And, like, he, when he was around the, around this time, he was huge. He, he, he yeah. Was, he was this in guy, everything. He was in he was in every movie back then, and he was good in all those movies yeah, too. That's the thing. He he was a really solid actor. I mean, he was really good. And then he just it just all fell apart for him and Corey Haim. Yeah, I mean, Corey Feldman was the '80s. Stand by Me, The Goonies, Gremlins, The Lost Boys, The Burbs. Or no, he was. You, yeah, he was. Are in, you kidding me? Yeah, he, The Burbs. I love he was The Burbs. In everything. Yeah. So, just a fantastic movie. This is one of the earliest movies I remember seeing as a very young child. And it always stuck with me. Like, the uh, the scene where he... Uh, the leech scene where they're, they're, <laughs> they're walking and they're in the woods and they, they find a little stream and they put a stick in and they're like, oh yeah, it's like really shallow they walk in like three feet in and they they just all sink to the bottom and then when they get out they're covered in leeches yes i mean this maybe always stuck with me too because this is this is essentially what me and my brother did when we were little mm-hmm. is we would just we would find like a stream or something and then we would just follow it like almost all day yeah. so we would spend like eight hours just walking through farms and streams and the woods and all this just looking for cool stuff yeah and it was just so perfectly done it really captured kind of the the innocence of youth and at the Mm -hmm. same time kind of the the loss of innocence because each of these kids come from very different uh have very different home lives and they they all had their own kind of dysfunctional families to deal with and for a lot of them it was you know very difficult to be you know just growing up in this in this place and it was it was just really i mean john cusack played uh will wheaton's character's older brother who died and he was just constantly living in the shadow of his brother his brother was this big sports star and uh will wheaton's character wanted to be a writer and I think yeah. that that character was probably based off of um, Stephen King's life, but yeah. but just so amazing. I can't say enough about this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, just stop. Press pause <laughs> and go watch it because it's so good. The ending is so sad, and it has a really famous scene. I mean, this this uh, they even did a Family Guy episode where it was a parody of stand by me and the end of the film is very famous for when they're done with their adventure and they get back home and they're all kind of standing at this crossroads and they all kind of walk their separate ways and then they do this thing where they the the characters kind of fade away and then richard dreyfus plays the grown-up i think his name's gordy and um, he's kind of writing a book about 
all this. So Richard Dreyfuss is the narrator, and it's kind of um, the film's kind of bookended with him writing the story of his youth. And at the end, you know, his his kids come in, and his son comes in with his friends, and and it's like he can see that you know this is this is the amazing childhood that I had with these friends that you know were like brothers to me and now I'm seeing my son you know having the same amazing experience and it's like when you're 12 your life is so carefree and it just really captured that on the flip side (laughs) let's go over some one out of tens what's your what's your one out of ten my one out of ten is well, I first start off by saying that I didn't actually finish this movie because it was so bad. But my 1 out of 10, which is actually maybe more of a 0 out of 10, I think we might open it up to 0s and 1s out of 10s. Yeah. But either way, either way, it's just awful. Is Year 1, the comedy Ooh. from 2009 by Harold Ramis. Since, oh. since they're, you know, they're supposed to be working on the new Ghostbusters three movie well that actually is not even gonna happen anymore it's not they called it off yeah because uh bill murray flat out said no it's not i won't be in it and dan Dan Aykroyd said i'd like to make it happen but there's no way it it's gonna happen without bill yeah okay so i i think that that's done for yeah well either way he made this he made year one Harold Ramis made year one. And I remember, you know, they were promoting this thing like crazy. It's huge cast. Jack Black, Michael Sarah, David Cross, uh, Hank Azaria. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. I mean, almost everyone is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw this in the theater, <laughs> and I could not believe how horrible it was. Yes, it was god-awful. And... At first, I was like, oh man, this is really bad. This is going to be fun to just watch and make fun of it. You know, sometimes it's it's fun to do that. You know, you watch a bad movie and it's entertaining in, in all the wrong ways. Like, in ways that they didn't intend it to be. Mm-hmm. And I figured that that's how it was going to be. But I, I felt bad after like 15 minutes of it. I felt bad for all the actors in it, and when they would try a joke and it wouldn't work, I I didn't make fun of them. I actually sat there and I would be like, "Oh, ah, <laughs> uh, they tried. Got to give it to them. They tried." And it just it was it was almost heartbreaking to yeah. just see them fail so badly. Yeah, I really did hate that movie. Um, I would probably compare it to a lot of like you know like Pluto Nash. You know, yeah, it just. It just didn't work um all those people are very funny but the movie itself was a complete train wreck and i was i remember being somewhat excited because i i looked at it as uh sort of like a a new version of mel brooks's history of the world Mm -hmm. and that's what i thought it was going to be because i mean it is a it's a good idea to go through the history of the world and just sort of make fun poke fun at everything but mm-hmm. wow they were way off and almost nothing worked i don't think i laughed once 
No, the humor was extremely juvenile. Mm-hmm. Very, like, lowbrow in a PG-13 sort of way. Yeah. Um, I think the only scene that made me laugh was the scene where Michael Sarah was playing the uh, statue when they put him in the all gold like body paint mm. and made him stand there. I, I don't even remember what he said, but there was like a line that he said that, that made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, anything to add about year one? Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 15%. So, you know, we're right there with, with our picks. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, Stand By Me got a 91. I didn't. So there you go. We did no, no, no really surprises. But I just, yeah, I had to talk about this because this was just so bad. And I don't even remember how far I made it into the movie. I think I only made it like maybe thirty-five, forty minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I had to see the whole thing because I've only ever walked out of two movies that I can remember, um, and. One was a movie called Loser with, uh, <laughs> with the yes. guy from American Pie. Yes, I've heard your story of Jason walking Bates. out on that one. I, yeah, that was one. The other one I walked out of was, I think it was Coyote Ugly. <laughs> I think I walked mm. out of Coyote Ugly. Yeah, that's a good one. I have a feeling that those two could be in our segment later <laughs> yeah now see I, I walked out of them because at the time i worked at a movie theater so i didn't pay for tickets to see them anyway so yeah it is really hard to walk out when you paid for it oh yeah but at the same time it's, it's like, sort of just odd that you would put yourself through that i mean you think that <laughs> you would just be like okay just realize i just you know i had to bite bite it i you know i wasted ten dollars just go salvage some time and do something productive instead of sitting there and watching something that you absolutely hate. Yeah. There were several, I would say last year, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about recently. Like last year, there were several one out of tens that I saw. Like Dylan Dog was one that was so horrible, but we're not going to talk about that because I might, I might want to talk about that in the coming months. Um, the movie that I picked for one out of ten is it's kind of a cop out. It's is it's it the definitely movie, a cop out. Is it the movie the cop out? <laughs> no, uh. no, I wouldn't give that a one. Uh, I don't know what I'd rate it, but not a one. Um, it's uh, it's the room. I had to do it. It's uh, Tommy Wiseau's 2003 film, The Room. The epic. Uh, rather than kind of talking about this i have a clip here that i want to play and this clip sums up everything about this movie so i did not hit her it's not true it's bullshit i did not hit her i did not oh hi march oh hey johnny what's up i have a problem with lisa she said that i hit her (laughs) what well did you no it's not true don't even ask what's new with you well i'm just sitting up here thinking you know (laughs) <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. You think girls like to cheat like guys do? <laughs> what makes you say that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Just thinking. I don't have to worry about that because Lisa's loyal to me. Yeah, man, you never know. You never know. People are very strange these days. I used to know a girl. She had a dozen guys. 
One of them found out about it, beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> what a story, Mark. Why is he? <laughs> Uh, that is one of the classic scenes from The Room. I know that everybody says that this is, like, one of the worst movies ever made and stuff, but I just, it was so horribly bad that I just had to do it for my first one. Um, the, it's funny, the IMDb synopsis says, A happy-go-lucky banker sees his world fall apart when his friends begin to betray him one by one. This is... Written and directed by Tommy Wiseau. I think this is pretty highly regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it even has a Rotten Tomatoes score. I, d- I think it would destroy their system. Yeah, they would just crash their servers. Yeah. Um, this had kind of a... It would still, I guess, has kind of a cult following to it. Um, for a while there, there was like a lot of Hollywood celebrities that were going to see this. It was playing at one theater in L.A., and it had a billboard, and the billboard looked so ridiculous. And all of a sudden, you have people like uh, like Seth Rogen and, and um, Kristen Bell coming out and saying like that it's like their favorite movie ever, and they've seen it like five times and stuff. And it, it kind of um, took on this like Rocky Horror Picture Show vibe to it, where people would interact with the movie and stuff yeah like people actually started having viewing parties with this with this movie i mean this movie is perfect for sometimes me and my wife will you know we'll get a really terrible movie and we we watch it while we get drunk because it's Mm -hmm. extremely fun to do and this it seems like this movie is perfect for that there are so many horrible lines there's nothing absolutely nothing redeemable about this film in the slightest bit now uh the first time i saw it i actually watched it by myself and i couldn't even make it through the whole movie it was so bad it it really is the type of movie you have to watch with somebody else Mm -hmm. to just laugh at yeah because if you sit down by yourself and watch it it it's so bad yeah it's sad there's (laughs) There's, yeah, you have to watch it with people and make fun of it as you're watching it. I have another clip here I want to play real quick. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. <laughs> thousand. Here you go. That's me. That's... How much is it? It'll be $18. Here go. Keep the $18. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> that, uh, I love it. That's just... I mean, and there's like you can you can look on YouTube and find tons of clips. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a movie I would recommend watching, but you can go on YouTube, type in the room, and there's tons a of million cool. different clips, montages, like different parody videos. There's there's so much like that this movie. It's sort of like uh, like Troll Two, <laughs> that kind of that kind of vibe where it's like so horrendously bad that it it's enter- it yeah, makes it's entertaining successful well that's what i was saying about year one i mean year one was so bad that it didn't it wasn't even entertaining entertainingly bad no. like the room is the room is awful but like i said if you you know if you watch it with a group of people you're gonna have fun watching this movie because it's just yeah. so terrible and a, a couple years ago Maybe it was even last year. Adult Swim 
um, for April Fools, they dedicated their entire uh, block to replaying the room over and over again for like seven hours. <laughs> so instead of the regular programming, it was just the room <laughs> over and over. Oh my goodness. I thought that that was hilarious, but I mean, yeah, and and I would compare it to like Birdemic, Shock and Terror. You know, that movie is just as bad and and laughably bad. But I look at movies like this and to me I think that a lot of aspiring filmmakers can see movies like this and, you know, it gives them hope. <laughs> like yeah. because we're talking about the room. I mean, it's not something that is completely like totally obscure. So if someone can make a movie that's this horrible and have people be talking about it across the country, I mean, that should give hope to any kind of, uh, yes. Young filmmaker. Yeah. And Birdemic is even worse as far as how it's made. That might be one of mine. Yeah. I think um I think the budget for the room was something like 3 million or something like that. How? Um, Where do these people get money? Don't I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I I have no idea how he got the funding. He might have funded it himself. But I don't the the other question is I've seen movies that were made for much less that are much better. Like actually it's 6 million. That's according to IMDb. Six million dollar budget. Um, I don't know where that six million went. Honestly, like maybe like it went towards Coke. Tommy was yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Had to drugs, <laughs> drugs and alcohol. I think that's the only way you he, get through this. Well, he wrote it, he directed it, and he stars <laughs> in it. And I don't even know what country he's from, but he not only is a horrible actor, but sometimes you don't even understand what he's saying uh sometimes he says words that aren't even real uh, <laughs> it, and it feels even though it was made in 2003 it feels like an 80s soap opera or or an 80s porn that just is you know <laughs> like a soft soft core or something <laughs> I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. That That's uh, <laughs> one of the best lines. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. That's one she, of my favorite lines. She sounds, like, excited about it. And the the funny thing is the context that that happens in. there. She just, she says it so nonchalantly, and then she's saying it to her daughter, and then her daughter just kind of, brushes it off like she like changes the subject like well i think i'm gonna order a pizza <laughs> like it, and it's never it's never discussed anymore in the rest of the movie <laughs> oh my god there's like i said nothing went right with this movie it was through and through a complete mess wow. well that wraps it up for another week. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Just send us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net. You can head on over to our site at www.filmpulse.net where you can find the latest film news reviews, trailers, and more. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, Facebook at facebook.com slash 
Film Pulse, and we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Tuesday.